You guys can go and be seated. Today we have the privilege of hearing the word from Tristan Starbird today. And uh, Tristan is one of those guys that their very first Sunday at Gulfside was when we were meeting at Diplomat Wesleyan Church. And it was it's a smaller room there. And when they came in, there was not enough chairs and I was pulling chairs out. And it was literally his first time at church. And he grabs a stack of chairs and starts unstacking them. And that was just a really good picture of the personality and heartbeat that Tristan has. And I've shared with our congregation before that there's lots of people who have the capacity to deliver a message and do it well. But not everyone who has the capacity to deliver a message really should be up on this platform. And I, I have what I like to refer to as the toilet test. Like if you're not willing to clean a toilet, around Gulfside to make sure that it's ready for the church, then you're not ready to be on this platform because you have to, you have to have a heart of serving others and loving others before you can come up here because too many people have this sense of like, I wanna feel important and I wanna be on the stage. And that's not what this is about. And so bringing Tristan up, it's, it's an easy move for me because his heartbeat from his very first time through the door has been to serve others. And if you've ever been around, well, first of all, let's, let's go here. I don't say this before my messages because I don't want to be self-serving, but I'll say it right now and you can remember it for next week, okay? When someone is up here teaching, you are not an audience. You are a congregation. You are a p- participant in worship. And so when he is talking about how good God is and how good Jesus is, you encourage him back and you, you say, amen, you say, that's right. If you know Tristan, you can say it this way. You can say, let's go, because that's what Tristan likes to say, all right? Yeah, if you know him, you've heard that from him a few times. But encourage him, laugh at his jokes. Let him know that you appreciate the time that he spent preparing for this after the service because we want to be a place of encouragement of all people. And Tristan, will you go ahead and make your way up in church? Will you go ahead and help me in welcoming Tristan as he comes to deliver the message? (laughs) Let's go! Thank you. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Thank you for that amazing introduction. I don't know who you're talking about, but I do appreciate it. A lot of fun. And he's right. The toilet test is real because I think we actually clean toilets at Diplomat, so it's okay. It's okay. And you know what? I love being up here. Uh, I love to have the opportunity to encourage you this morning because life is hard. It's difficult. And, you know, the the older I get, I can't believe I'm saying that now, the older I get, uh, the more I realize just how important it is for us to encourage one another. And so, Pastor Paul's right. Let's go. Let's go. Are you guys ready? This is it. This is my first time here. And let me tell you, after the invitation from Pastor Paul, it was, I was like, oh, all right, I'm ready. This is going to be great. And then the next eight weeks of spiritual battle ensued. You know, the enemy comes at you from all directions, your mind, your body, your, your physical surroundings, things like that. And so, Paul, appreciate the invitation, brother. It's been, uh, it's been a joy uh, to work through all of that. And so, now that we've arrived to today, today is, uh, today is an important day because today is the big letdown, right? Christmas, do you remember yesterday? Was it, did it feel like three days to you? 
because it felt like three days to us. We were up at six and, uh, you know, holding our four kids back like a tidal wave or a tsunami, right? 6.30 came and I can hear footsteps running down the stairs and, and we were at it. And we were at it hard for about four hours because we stretched it out and my wife is amazing. She had the whole day planned and like she does every year. And, and the kids know now a little bit what to expect, right? And so we get through stockings and, and they're like, they see all the gifts, but they want the cinnamon rolls. So it was a focus on the cinnamon roll. We got to get to the cinnamon rolls. And, and uh, it's, uh, it's just an amazing thing to see all the joy and excitement that can be bottled up for 364 days and to have just that joy, the joy of Christmas. And it's like a miracle. It's like a miracle to, to hear and to see the joy of Christmas. So as today you start cleaning up decorations and we're, we're avoiding the let, putting everything away, I don't want to focus on the bummer of today. I want to focus on the excitement of yesterday. So think about in your life, when you were a child or even an adult, and you were able to open that gift, that precious gift that you wrote on your list a million times. Maybe, maybe you practiced your handwriting in making your list as a kid to make sure you had it just right. Think about that, that one gift that you remember all these years later. I think our kids, you probably can think of a gift maybe from yesterday that you were excited about, that one thing that kind of blew up, blew your mind, right? And then, and then, and then Robin brought out another one later. And that was the one. That was the one that everybody remembers. So take a minute. Think about it. Think about that gift. I know some of you... Um, you know, it might have been popular. You know, they do the ads before. Uh, they do the ads before Christmas. I don't know, micro machines. I'm trying to date everybody. Barbies, whatever it was. What, what was something? Shout it out. What was something that you wanted, anticipated so badly that you, you just had to have it, and it actually came? Do you remember? Was there anything? A, a bike? Electric what? Ooh, there we go. Electric train. That's what I'm talking about. I want to get real with you right now. When I was three years old, since my birthday, and, and, and I don't have many memories. I've been hitting the head a lot playing basketball and football and all that. But, but let me tell you, three years old, there was this cat remote control excavator with scooping action that I absolutely had to have. Okay? It's just, I love watching construction sites. Three years old. This is my earliest memory. And, and then there's like a span of like three or four years. I don't remember a whole lot. But this excavator I had to have, I saw it. I don't know where I saw it. Maybe at KB Toys, if you can remember that place. But I had to have it. And so my birthday, my mom asked me, what do you want for your birthday? And that's, that's what I wanted. And with great anticipation, my birthday's in August. 
I opened up birthday presents, and I didn't get it. And I was devastated. I was like, oh my goodness, that's, you know, I'm three. I don't know any better, right? So, so we got three and a half, four months till Christmas, and you know, we, we start writing the list sometime in October, and I'm writing all these things down, and, and I got a list, like I was the one that had a list a mile long, like, like four pages. You know, you get to the item like 19, 20, 20, it doesn't matter. It just, it's all fuzzy, right? But then I got closer to Christmas. We got like two days to go, and I thought, I never got that excavator and that's really what I went it was the first item on my list and so I went back and and I got in course at three you can't I mean I don't even know if anybody could read what I wrote anyway right so so I scrapped the list I I threw it away and I wrote cat excavator and however you spell that at three and so we're rifling through all these presents. It's Christmas morning. I'm so excited. You know, it's like, it's like what I saw with my kids. 6, 6 a.m. And, and they're running down the stairs. And we're opening gifts. And, and my heart starts to sink because I realize all these gifts are under the tree. And, and I, I don't think that one is on, under the tree. And you fast forward through the, through the day. And, and all of them, there's wrapping paper everywhere. And I, I didn't get it. And then, and then like an hour later, my mom brings out round two, and I got to open the cat excavator with scooping action. <laughs> that is real. Yeah. I was so excited that I was speechless. And for those of you that know me, I can carry a conversation for both of us. So, imagine a three-year-old with that kind of skill, nonstop, from sunup to sundown, all this energy, and my tracks, I was stopped with this excavator. I couldn't believe it. I could not believe it. I was so excited about this excavator that I just wanted to play with it and, and tell everybody I knew about it. It's kind of funny. So my son Jet, for his birthday, gets some dinosaur thing, and he's six. And the first thing he wants to do is share it with his friend Anthony, who's five, Paul's son, because Anthony likes dinosaurs, and Jet... And he just was so excited. He just he couldn't stop talking about it. He couldn't contain it. He had to share it with someone. And so, for you, I want to put this in the back of your mind. What is your most precious gift in Christ? What is your most precious gift in Christ? My most precious physical gift is that cat excavator. And let me tell you, I love that thing. And every time I see an excavator in the store, I want to buy it for my son so I can look at more excavators. <laughs> but think about this. Think about your most precious gift in Christ and what he did for you. What he did for you on the cross. 
Jesus was born of a, a humble virgin. We, we've heard in the last six or eight weeks leading up to Christmas Eve service, the story, the miraculous gift of Jesus. And I want you to think about your gift in Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, your most precious gift. It was first shared with the shepherds. They were keeping watch at night. Shepherds were the humblest of humble. They didn't have homes. They stayed out in the fields. And it was also put on the hearts of the magistrates and the magi with the star. And so none of us are exempt from this gift of who Jesus is. None of us are exempt from the gift of Jesus. And so salvation is our most precious gift. And with our greatest gift in Jesus, what do we need to do with our gift? What would you do if you got that, that thing that you wanted? The, uh, I'm trying to think yesterday, some of the big presents. Dashiell really wanted a recorder, old school recorder with the, I don't know if you've seen those, but wow, we held them off for like four years and we did it and we regret it. Uh, but we did it and he loved it, loved it. I mean, his most precious gift. What do you do with your most precious gift? Your physical gift, whatever it would be, you would, you would protect it, right? And, and you, would, you would do these things so that you could have it to play with the next day. If that's what it was. So our most precious gift of salvation, there are three things we need to do with it. To keep it fresh, to keep it in our minds, to keep it alive and well in our hearts. And the first thing we need to do is protect it. We must protect our gift of salvation. 1 Peter 5, verses 8 and 9. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of suffering. Our gift of salvation. Peter gives clear instructions on what to do. We must guard it. We must guard that physical gift of salvation. We need to keep it nice in our minds and our hearts. For the excavator... I put it back in the same spot every day, or so I remember now, right? So that I could find it the next day, so I could play with it. And my gift of salvation needs to be at, at the tip of my tongue, at the, the top of my heart, so that when asked what's different, I can have a quick reply. Jesus is the difference. Is your gift of salvation secure in your heart? Are you taking the steps right now in your life to grow in your relationship with Jesus? Those steps can be simple. Daily things. You have to change your habits to change the outcomes of your day. And if you're not taking those steps, it's very difficult Impossible, in fact, to grow in your relationship with Jesus. 
But when we are growing, when we are growing in our relationship with Jesus and healthy, growing, learning, our faith increasing, we can affect change in the lives of those around us, not just ourselves. We secure our homes with cameras and weapons, right? We protect what's inside. What are we doing to protect our gift of salvation in our hearts? We've been given tools, weapons, if you will. Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 16. The helmet, the sword, the breastplate, the belt. Paul talks about putting on the whole armor of God. And he talks about that for us so that we can secure our gift of salvation. And in my doing that, we can share it with others. Secondly, we need to secure. I'm sorry, what did I say? Perfect. What is that next slide? There we go. Perfect it. We need to perfect our gift of salvation. Paul talks about in Philippians 2 verse 12, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Wow. We haven't got it all figured out. You accept Jesus into your heart to change your life, and he begins to do that, but he can't do it fully without our participation. We need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know what that looks like for you. I know what it work, looks like for me. I can tell you that I work it out when I'm in the car, oftentimes. I see things or almost near misses every day on Del Prado. And I'm working out my salvation with fear and trembling. I don't know what it looks like for you. I don't know what challenges you're facing that are insurmountable in your own strength. We all have them. I find myself, I get, if you can believe this, I get antsy. I get antsy. I, I need to like... I need to go and move and do and and I can't I can't shut it off. I want to shut it off. Yesterday I needed a nap so bad at 11:30. I I laid down. I don't know how long I laid down for, but it was it was not long enough. But it was too long because I lay in there thinking, "Oh, we got so much to do." <laughs> oh my goodness! True story, right? It's real. The struggle is real. So I don't know what it looks like for you. I'm reminded often that I need to just shh, take a break. Take a break. I don't do it, but I'm reminded often that I need to take a break. So I don't know what it looks like for you. It may be when you're, when you're posting your opinion on Facebook or, or Twitter or Instagram or whatever, and somebody doesn't agree with you. Maybe you're working out your salvation with fear and troubling then. It's important to take a step back. The closer we get to Jesus, the more power we have to fight 
against the world's temptations and things that distract us. As Pastor Paul has been talking about in this series leading up to Christmas, your story in Jesus is a powerful one. And it doesn't matter how dramatic or ordinary your story is. Isn't that amazing? Because Jesus came to the shepherd, and he came to the mother, and he came to the children, and he came to the kings, and we all need Jesus. We all need him every day. And so we think sometimes that, you know, my story, well, my story isn't really that exciting. Or we have like a dramatic, like, you know, God hit us like Paul off the donkey, right? Like we might have that kind of experience. But the point is this, people around us need to hear all of those stories. They need to hear those stories and be encouraged that this isn't it. People forget when they're stressed out and they're, you know, they're late on their mortgage or whatever, whatever it is. This isn't it. And because of our story, and we can share it, it allows people to see, oh, there is hope. Because Jesus went to him. And Jesus went to her. And Jesus went to me. And he went to you. And he gave you an opportunity. And so if you're here this morning and you've surrendered your heart to God, it's time that you start sharing the freedom that you've been able to experience because of it. So number three, we need to proclaim it. It's very clean. There's three points on the board. They all begin with P. Worked really hard at that. We need to proclaim it. We got to proclaim our gift, our most precious gift. We protect it, we perfect it, and then we proclaim it. 1 John 1, verse 3, we proclaim to you what you have seen and heard so you may also have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus. Our gift of Jesus brings other people in fellowship into the kingdom if we are bold enough to share it. It can't help it. Our relationship draws other people to Jesus. It just does. Even if you think you're, you've, you've messed up and you're beyond help and people won't listen to you because you keep messing up, but you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb, Jesus, in your life. All that other stuff is noise in your mind. Your mind plays tricks on you. Right? We, we read about how the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Have you ever felt like the lion is roaring in your mind? That's where it gets me. I mean, I can work. I can do it. I can... But it... it, it I still hear all the things that disqualify me from being a believer in Jesus with hope for other people. I hear it. And I need to protect 
my gift of salvation. And you need to protect your gift of salvation by going after who Jesus is. The, the simple things in the morning, the devotions, the, the prayer. Have you ever written your story down? It's very important to do that. We are designed to be in fellowship with God and with one another. And we can't do that unless we know who you are. And if your identity is brought together because of your relationship with Jesus, I want to know that. I don't know why I want to know that. But if you start telling me about your relationship with Jesus and how you met him for the first time, I am locked in. I want to know. And you know what? People who don't know Jesus, oh, they need to hear your story. I mean, turn on the news, right? I don't actually do that. But if you do, this is what people are listening to every day. They're not listening to a wholesome story of how you surrendered your life to God. If you have that opportunity, you need to take it. But you don't want to bother anybody, right? I don't want to be a bother. I battle with this all the time. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to interrupt their day. I certainly don't want them to think about anything that I've done or said or felt, right? But we need to interrupt people's lives with our lives because that's how it works. We're in this together. It's a relationship, fellowship. One of the greatest displays of love you can give is to share your story in Jesus, what he did for you. Jesus kind of gave us this model, right? He was talking to the woman at the well, and he's hearing her story, and then he kind of lets her finish and then shares his story. Now, our story is not that, right? We're not the savior of the world, but, but our story is that because that same savior of the world purchased you. And so that's your story. That's your identity in Christ. So I'm not saying you need to stand in a soapbox, stand on stage and share your story. I'm not saying that at all. But when you have a moment, when you have an opportunity to share what Jesus did for you in your life, you need to take it. Allow the Lord to work through you. Send the Holy Spirit to speak through you. It's one of my favorite songs, Jesus in Disguise. Brandon Heath sings it. Speak the words your lips have never known because your heart told you so. The Holy Spirit speaking through you. You don't have to have all the answers. You, you really don't need to even know the outcomes. But you need to be bold in sharing your story. So I want to take 90 seconds, as an example, don't time me, I'm going to share you my story. Picture this, seven years old, finishing a doubleheader on a Sunday afternoon, and up in Maine in July, it's hot and muggy, and there are no air conditioners in the car, because we don't need them, but for one day a year, and it was that day, all right? I'm finishing the doubleheader going right to summer camp. Any of you been to summer camp? I, kid, you better raise your hand. You've been to summer camp. 
Well, my brother went to this summer camp the year before. I get in the car, just had double header, baseball on my brain, now all of a sudden anxiety, paralysis, my head starts to hurt, it's hot in the car. You gonna show that slide? Not that one. The pool, you got the pool? Ah, there we go. This is what caused my anxiety right here. You know what they do at summer camp? You sign in and then you go immediately take a swim test. You know what? At seven, I was built the exact same way, but I was just seven. And when I got in the water, I sank like a rock. It's a true story. Couldn't swim. My brother told me about the swim test. That's all I could think about. The whole way over there, I'm thinking, I got a little headache. If I just lean into it a little bit, I can get a migraine, get sick, and I won't have to take the test. I could have just said, you know what? I really don't feel like taking the test. I'll be in the kitty area. But not me. I just didn't want to take the test. I didn't want to fail the test is really what happened. So fast forward. That's how summer camp starts for me. And it's, it's a summer camp that preaches the name of Jesus. Praise God for that. Fast forward to Wednesday night. We're in chapel, just like this, full of 200 kids. And Ray Romano... Right? No, John Romano. John Romano is preaching on the stage. He looks right at me. And so I felt like, if you died tonight on your way back to the cabin, which was only like a couple hundred feet, do you know that if you died tonight, would you spend eternity in heaven or hell? Do you know who Jesus is in your heart today? And I was like, I don't know. It's a lot of stress. For a seven-year-old at summer camp, I had no idea. My heart was pounding out of my chest. And I could feel the Holy Spirit talking to me. Tristan, you need to surrender your life tonight to me. Surrender your heart to me. And he was talking. I got fuzzy there for a minute. All the kids are leaving. And I was glued to my seat. Couldn't move. And Miss Melanie, God bless her soul. If you think you can't serve because you're too old, let me tell you about Miss Melanie. 150 years old at summer camp, all right? She came alongside me, put her arm around me. said, Tristan, what's going on? I said, I just don't know for sure. I want to be absolutely sure. And she said, do you believe that you're a sinner? I'm like, oh, yeah. Do you believe that Jesus is who he says he is? Is he the Savior? Do you believe that? I said, oh yeah. Do you want him to come into your heart? And do you want to live for him from now on? I said, oh yeah, I do. And then she started to pray. Very simple prayer. And you know this prayer well. But she came alongside me. said, dear Jesus. She said, Tristan, this is where you repeat after me. I'm like, dear Jesus, I believe that I am a sinner. I truly believe that. I know it. I know it today more than I knew it then. Do you want Jesus to be Lord of your life from here on out? I said, Jesus, I want you to be Lord of my life from here on out. Immediately, the peace of the Holy Spirit came over me. And band, if you want to make your way up, that's what we're talking about here. My story was at summer camp. It's not dramatic, but if you're seven, 
made an impression on me. I went back to that cabin and I'm right. I have a basketball Bible because I think we should have fun if we're Christians. I like to feel the leather. I didn't have it then, but I found my Bible that they gave you at the door and I'm rifling through it. And what does this have to do with anything? And everything to do with me and who Jesus is. And now it has something to do with you. Because if I share my story with you and you can be encouraged, then you can share your story with someone else. And I mentioned the most precious gift that ever, ever, you know, physical gift that I've ever been given as a three-year-old. It's real. This is very dramatic. There it is. Made an impression on me. This excavator, it, it turned on this morning, but I can't get it on right now. Scooping action was real. I've carried this at all the places we've moved to, and Robin's probably shook her head a few times. I put it on my bookshelf at the house. It's a reminder. It's a reminder. My most precious gift is a gift of what Jesus did for me. And I pray that you feel that way about your gift Jesus gave to you. And if you don't know who Jesus is, we're going to do this old camp style chapel. You have an opportunity today to surrender your heart to who Jesus is. Let's bow our head, close our eyes. No one looking around. I remember John saying that. Nobody look around. If you're out there this morning and this morning you want to surrender your heart to Jesus, slip your hand out. If you're here this morning and you are ready to share your story in Jesus, why don't you slip your hand up? We want to pray for you. We want to pray for boldness for you. God, we just thank you so much for what you did for us on the cross. That it made such an impression on us that we've accepted you into our heart that we have surrendered our lives to you. And I pray each one of us this morning would have boldness to share who you are with others so that we can grow the kingdom in this time of uncertainty and all these things happening around us in our lives and other people's lives. We can come back to who you are. You are who you say you are. You're the hope of the world. We love you, dear Jesus. We pray 2022 is a year of revival, not only in our hearts, in the hearts of those around us. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name.